cliffcentral.com. It is Wednesday morning on cliffcentral.com. It's just six minutes after seven. We've got a lot of stuff happening. We've still got to try and fit some news into something somewhere, but we could get to that when we get to it. Lebang is here with me, and we are joined by Aspasia Karras, who I mentioned just before the break, is also someone well-known to our audience before. I mean, you've been here before as a guest. You, we, we know you well, but you've also been the editor-at-large for the Sunday Times yeah. Lifestyle, and Elle, Times. Elle Magazine, <laughs> uh, cool. Marie Claire, um, The Times itself, and also then your columns, which are regulars. Yeah, yeah. You're a you're a very accomplished woman. You really are, and you <laughs> well, keep uh, you. you keep and turning out good old, stuff. And I had an old relationship with you guys. You remember we used to you do... have your own show. Yeah, oh. with my buddy. Yeah, that's right. Especially I had <laughs> our own reunion. show for a long yeah, time. It's a reunion, guys. Very so cool. <laughs> we uh, we know you well, and it's nice to see you again. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I thought I'm gonna like get up and come. Yeah. Well, listen. It's always better to do it in studio and. Yeah. It's horrible to wake up early, but I said to uh, Simpiwe and Homolemo earlier this morning, having sat in traffic last week, two of the days when, or one of the days when I didn't do the show from here, it's like, it's not worth it. I'd rather wake up at 4.30 and be here early and not have to deal with traffic because sitting in an hour and a half of traffic is horrible. It's soul destroying. It is. Right? It is. Really awful. So that is something that you could avoid by just being up earlier. And plus, when you start your day ahead of everyone else, you, uh, well, you, guys you finish are first. experts at the by one o'clock. You've done everything. Starting. You've done all your meetings. Your days, you know, you still have all that leftover time. So but I suppose it's yeah, what time you go to bed. Yeah. No, that's the problem. So yeah. you do you do yoga, mm. right? And this is a big part of you know everybody has their things in their day that make makes it better. Yoga and, and boxing. And bearable. So you're doing oh, boxing, boxing is as well. so cool. I love boxing. It's really good. Yeah. And lately I've combined, I first do the boxing and then I teach the, the boxers yoga. Wow. <laughs> wow so that's you, interesting. Your teacher and student. Yes. All right. So all of this stuff makes, you know, life a little bit more colorful and interesting. I mean, I, I try to go to gym three, four times a week because I think it's really important to have things that, where you look after you. Yeah. The ancient Greeks said, healthy mind, healthy body. Right. And I do believe that. Yeah, I think that people who only have one of those aren't well balanced. They're probably going to be unhappy. How do you feed your mind? You read? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to. I mean, yeah, you know sure, how it is. Sure, sure, sure. So, especially if you're writing um, columns, columns every yeah, of week. Course, of course. If you don't read, where are you getting your ideas and source material from and also expanding your own knowledge, right? Because mm. you can't just sit there and think you already know all the answers. I'll just churn out a column based on stuff I already know. You have to keep improving so you can give other people something to think about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a problem. But I mean, it is part of my... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem, it's a solution. Uh, but it is a... Yeah, so I read, I read a lot. Mm. I'm subscribed to, you know, from the New York Times, The Guardian, The Atlantic... Those are all very, all very left-wing publications. Uh, yeah, and then obviously you have to read the Daily Fail every day. It's a Daily Fail. <laughs> it's uh, what I call the Daily Mail. <laughs> oh, just oh. to keep yourself okay. balanced, balanced. Okay, well, <laughs> balance. I mean, clearly, you're not biased at all with your Atlantic and Guardian and. No, no, no. That's why I read the Daily the Fail. Daily fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one against three. I mean, I mean, have you read the Daily Fail lately? 
No. It's I, enough to so like I, sort of, that is, I'm, it's, I'm, it's strong enough. It's I, powerful enough as content to just like sort of, I sort of admire, balance everything out. I admire the fact that you're still clinging to those old rusty publications sure. of traditional oh, media. No, welcome to the and I know, I know you're still involved. No, but this what is do why, you read? No, hang on. This is, this is why you, I'll tell you what I read in a minute, mm. but this is why you are still one of the people who can do what you do in publishing, right? Um, I think that it's changed a lot. There are, there are mm. so few young people who care about these titles that you've just mentioned. Mm. And whether that's good or bad, you can perhaps tell me what you think. Um, I, I just feel people have moved right on from them. And we know that they're struggling. I mean, magazines, which you used to edit as well, powerful magazines, they used to be so influential. Mm. Uh, one snap of Aspasia's fingers and she could raise hemlines so high the world was your gynecologist. There was a time. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. much doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, I mean, women uh, all over the world <clears throat> used to take some of these, these magazines, magazines yeah. and they were gospel. And that's changed mm-hmm. completely I now. I think it has changed, but I do think that something like, you know, I was listening to an interview with um, – the New York Times is owned by a family. Mm. Um, so from the old rusty publications, David Remnick, who is the editor of the New Yorker magazine, does a podcast every week. Um, and he was interviewing Salzburg, who is Salzburg, the it. owner of the New York Times. And that is a publication that completely, it used to be, let's say, quite limited to a New York American kind of context, mm. huge, but the paper of record essentially for one small community. And mm. it became under his digital vision, a global force people like the, the, so it became the model that everyone wants to follow. And it is a huge, huge um, reading public that reads it every day. It became the paper of record, certainly for the left, but on a global oh, on, on, scale for everyone. And, and used to be certainly one of the most credible sources of information in the world. But still is because sometimes when you like, you know, read something like X, you know, the platform formerly known as Twitter, mm. how do you know what you're actually reading, where no. it comes from, what there's individual. So, I mean, I'm not arguing against those things. I'm just simply saying, how do you know at this point if anything you're reading hasn't been mm. generated? I mean, Rupert Murdoch's, all his sort of local oh, yeah. publications in Australia are actually run by AI and one solitary sad person sitting behind a desk going, okay, I'm editing this. How? But so this is how do you even know that the AI, the AI is generating completely lovely but generates you know stuff that is entirely untrue or manipulated no or I, whatever. I, I, this is why so, i'm fascinated to have you here because you've actually experienced the best of both like you 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 got to see i think you know maybe you're also too young to have been there in that that, that kind of the heyday when they sent you to paris every year yeah where, <laughs> where, where you know anna winter was was the god she still of is. All. she still is last I night mean, i was having i was judging the judging the SS Style Awards, which is still a thing, 20 odd years later, with Khar Johan Kutsia. And he said he was, you know, in New York at something and having lunch with Anna Winter. Oh, wow. And the 
The thing with Anna Wintour, he said, was that he doesn't believe that that bob of hair is real. He was like, it's so it's a wig. A wig. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen her. I've seen it's her. It's too perfect. <laughs> she so, has a blow dry every morning, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think those days are kind of over, though. I mean, I saw she's now giving some masterclass that you can buy for $30 or something on the internet. And I thought, it's a bit of a step down You're for not her. a subscriber to masterclass. No, but I think it's a I think it's a step down. I think it's like a little With, bit. Uh, um, she's too. She was too big a deal. Her, that mystery around her was part of the allure, don't you think? And now publishing has been kind of exposed for what it really was, which was these kind of insular, sort of inward-looking. Many of them, definitely, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like a coterie say... of people who were all talking to each other about the things that they thought were interesting. And of course, that's what happened in publishing. You had fishing magazines. You had magazines about, you know, stamp collecting. It used to be a, a massive, massive thing. It just kept expanding in all directions. Well, I think it's now all moved just basically online. Online. And, but where you might have like chanced upon a broader perspective because everyone read, say, the Sunday Times, my very own organ, (laughs) which, although I'm pleasantly surprised every week, I see people, like unexpected people say, oh, I read your column every week, which I find fascinating. I really do. (laughs) But more interestingly enough, I think there was a common we used to do stuff together. We used to do stuff together. Yes. We don't do stuff together anymore. As a society, and I think... All societies. So South Africans would watch, everyone would watch like on Sunday night, carte blanche or heart would sink, that music would come on. Of course. (sighs) But it was the Sunday night, like sadness that just layers a pall upon you. (laughs) But you had a common narrative, which generates and fosters some kind of, whether it was the right narrative or the wrong narrative. I think what has happened is that it's become so insular. And everyone is down their no, own little I, rabbit no, hole. No, I think now, I mean, you can find anything you want now. You can, but what you're finding and the way the algorithm works is that it will feed you what you, what want, you want to find. Yeah, but mm. you, you, you also have to curate that stuff. Like you said, you read three left publications, one right, and you said you have to do that to keep yourself balanced. But it's up to you to decide that. Whereas before, it was up to an editor mm. to decide what was going to be put in the only publication that anyone read. Or it's like TV channels. We mm. used to have three. Remember yeah. back in those days? Now there's 300. But, three hundred. I mean, what is interesting is yes, you're curating it, but uh, I do think that not having um, this notion, the paper of record, or having no, but no, but, a common experience. There's a bit of, of a, news you, there's a bit of superiority complex. No, 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 no. Because no. you're saying, oh no, well, ordinary people can't choose for themselves. No, of course, ordinary people can. Everyone <laughs> is an ordinary person. There is no such argument. I'm making a different, slightly different point, which is that once you get caught up in your own narrative thing, the means you served, the things you experienced, yeah. it's oh, not that's a, absolutely true. It's not everyone's thing. And where where it becomes problematic in the sense of, say, a nation state. So here we are, we're South Africa. We're trying to actually gel with a new set of um, ideas, a coherent civil society that actually speaks and is directed in one mm. 
Yeah, way. It's, much, it's much harder to corral people. We can't people, do that. Yeah. We're not, it's not even corral. It's not against freedom of speech or anything. It's just that narrative fragments and your own narrative becomes the dominant one. And it's much harder to say, get people out of negative ideas. Mm. You can end up with in, in these lagers. But they always it's use, a lager mentality. Okay, but, but Aspasia, we know, like the crazy conspiracy theory people always had their papers of record too. The National Enquirer used to publish weekly about things with eight heads and aliens. And it transpires and that actually we should have been listening to them because now the Congress <laughs> is having a UFO um, right. yeah. seating. Interesting yeah. times indeed. The UFOs were really coming for us. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> Those conspiracists were onto something. I, I promise you I didn't bring you here to like... <laughs> right this whole time. I, I didn't bring you here to defend uh, no, print God, media. I'm not defending print media in any way. But I'm, I, I do I'm... think the internet allows us to access things that we might never have seen yeah. or heard before. Yeah. And if people are incurious, which, I mean, like, let's face it, there are a lot of people who are just not particularly excited about stuff. Mm. They sit and consume the same old shit that the algorithm serves them. Yeah. There are lots of people like that. Bless them. They also watch the same Marvel movie told 15 times in exactly the same way with a different title, and they'll think it's entertainment. Yeah. We but, can't help everybody. They won't read a, a book that's longer than that because ah, it's so much effort. and They won't listen to a podcast that's more than 45 minutes because, oh, that's a lot to listen to. There's definitely like pros and cons to how this has changed. But the biggest con I'm seeing is that everybody thinks they're a journalist now. Everybody yeah. feels so entitled to their opinion. And because everybody has access to this information, we just kind of get like the bare minimum of this fact. And then we say, oh, I've got enough to go on and do a whole thing about it. And I'm going to tell everybody this one little piece of this bigger story. And we're all on the same platform. And again, to your point, is it all fake news? Nobody's really getting credible sources mm. anymore. Are we doing the three credible sources check no the no, first no, no. tweet we you, see we believe it yeah well i mean uh, just what this is making me think of is i was listening to this uh chap the huberman huberman andrew huberman and mm. he started a i don't thing, know what to make of him uh well <clears throat> i mean whatever you make of him what was more interesting for me just apropos what we're talking about like mm. credibles checking of sources he is he started doing this thing where um, they take academic papers mm. and talk through them. Mm. So because you get, like, I am guilty of this. I will receive, like, a high level, like, you know, there are lots of academic institutions that will send you their papers and say, this is the result that we've had. And then you you go, oh, okay, so all people who are left-handed um, have a bias IQ points to or whatever. whatever. Yeah. And actually, because you don't have the rigor, a scientific practice. Mm. Or frankly, the mm. time you to have to wade know. through that thing. So what I was listening you to grab was the they headline. had, yes, you grab the headline and you go, you run with it. And it's so that is what you see a lot of. So, and the journalists are guilty of it. I mean, you see a lot of places that are yeah. just publishing press releases. But what was fascinating is, so I don't know if you've heard about like for years, like people were saying, no, 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 the, the, People interested in aging, um, which is the billionaire's primal comp uh, compulsions to live forever. And so there's a lot of money going into anti-aging medicine mm. or whatever they call it, gerontology. Yeah. Very, very fascinated with that stuff. And so for years, people have been saying, no, you must take metformin. 
Metformin is like a diabetic drug. You know, at the moment we have like all these diabetic drugs. Yeah, that, a Zempic. A Zempic, but before a Zempic was metformin, which was meant to kind of keep you young for longer without having to do Did the you exercise that we were talking about. No, but I went down reading about the metformin path and I was like, for sure, metformin, like David Sinclair, who runs the Harvard anti-aging thing is on industrial doses of metformin. Anyway, they analyzed the metformin paper, the most recent paper, and you see how they're analyzing it and they do it from a scientific, per, you know, these guys are from Stanford. So yeah. now they're like looking at the metformin. Actually discuss it and have to have to. Do it the way, yeah, apparently this is what they do at medical school. They used to have these like sort of things. They'd sit down and talk through the papers that get published in science and whatever and almost literally like a, analyze them. And yeah. almost like a debate, you have one person taking up one side of the argument, for example. Or just and, look at the statistics yeah. and what they're actually saying to you. And it transpired right. that metformin, like, and this is why these oaks stopped taking metformin about four years ago. Was it because, poisonous? Well, it transpires that even diabetics on metformin, on this like sort of double bind test, whatever, my point being, is not actually making such a radical difference, may actually be harmful. Mm. So you're like going, I have been reading X. Nonsense. At a certain level, yeah. people are taking medicine away from diabetics who actually do need it yeah. in order to live forever. Mm. And it's actually nonsense. But what do you, what do you it's think? presented in a scientific way. And I just know, even for myself, as a person who is not a scientist, but is interested in reading the facts, I, I completely had bought this metformin thing for yeah. a long time. I know people on it who go, oh, I'm not going to gym five times a week. I'm going to just, just gonna pop take this. metformin. So what do you think of people <laughs> who take the Ozempic? Because that's also very controversial. So that we still don't know. And even the best scientists, always the best scientists will say they don't know. But these guys say they're not sure what the ultimate long-term consequences of something like this might be on the renal system with the kidneys and all the rest, because that's obviously where a lot of this and the pancreas obviously yeah. comes into it too. And it's helping people to lose weight, but they get this stuff out of like poisonous lizards. Yeah, it's the Jeez. Gila monster. The Gila monster. And have you seen what these things look like? And they're deadly, deadly poisonous. They get this out of these monsters. It's called a monster. Mm. It's the actual name. And then they... These people inject themselves with this. And Ozempic's expensive, apparently. It's very expensive. It's created a shortage um, in, you know, it is a diabetic medicine. But I think… What do you think of this? People doing this, they're falling into this trend. And now you have celebrities and rich people all over the world. And they're all doing Ozempic and then eating whatever they want. It's the and fountain they, of youth. They're staying Gareth. thin. Well, it was quite fascinating to me because this guy, one of these guys on this human pocket, the, the guy they were analyzing the thing was like, you know, and when I took metformin, I ate, a f you know, 12 donuts. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> it's so very weird. I was like, really? So actually you just, uh, do you just want to eat like shit? You want to put a plaster on top like. of your, your, yeah. your thing and find a shortcut, which I'm not saying that they're, it's like this is who, not bad. They want to have well sex be. with everybody and then take AZT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it may be like a very um, brilliant way of actually, because we do have an obesity epidemic in the world. Yeah. 
And instead of actually addressing, like that's, this is my deep feeling about this. Go on. Instead of addressing like the sort of industrial complex that creates cheap, cheap food with lots of sugar additives. Like, or you know, go lay it down. Because there's, how about personal responsibility, also, not just personal responsibility, snacking but I like think a pig before, 24-7? Well, I think there's a step before that, which mm-hmm. is that people want cheap food. So we want, we want quick, affordable People want food. quick, cheap food, which they really do. And if yeah. you look at what the ingredients in the quick, cheap food is. Mm. So hang, bear with yeah. me. The quick, cheap food is quick and cheap because it's highly processed. Yeah. And it's highly... Infused with sugar. So if you buy a loaf of white bread, which frankly is something that people buy Mm. because it is a staple thing. And you're a guy who's working on a a long job. You're like, you know, I was in the hospital the other day. The nurse, for example, is on a 12-hour shift. That is a long, hell of a long day. Construction worker or whatever. Whatever. They don't have time to go out and like construct a meal from also it's very it's much more expensive to buy healthy food than to buy mm. cheap food so what you've got is a system that creates lots of very uh convenient cheap processed fast food poloni whatever that stuff is infused with sugar it goes straight to it makes you fat that's why we have a huge population problem with obesity because People the world over are buying, and those companies don't have a lot. Like you know, they they advertise. I would agree with you, but there are not. On the other hand, you're saying, okay, now this is the great solution. We're going to give all these people that we're giving this cheap food this pull. So they're working towards making Ozempic or whatever it is. So Ozempic's not never going to get to these people anyway because it's too expensive. But in the long term, in the long term, these are ideas that are in the market. If you were right, if you were right, China would be chock full of fat people and they're not china doesn't eat like that right. china eats boom traditionally boom but that that's the point so if you even poor people in china not big and obese yeah but the, the but let me just say TikTok. they're not but there is in fact if you do look at the um statistics even in china they are suffering with like sort of tundra like big obesity look. and small children which is a function of a changing diet, which I, is changing. I agree with you that there's a problem here, but <laughs> so that is my bottom line: yeah, is that I think that what yeah, is happening in seems, our society is we're happy instead of addressing be, the issue and saying how do we make people eat healthier. There, there seems to be though no, but make people eat healthier. What like government's going to come and tell you what to eat? Like they told us to no, wear masks. Government can make a very big. When she was in charge of the country, (laughs) I think Uh, what governments can do is say, actually, big industrial manufacturer of cheap food for our people. You mean like the the company McDonald's that our president used to be invested in? Take down the sugar percentage in your food. That is what you can do. And it can make a much bigger you know difference, they'll apparently. They'll just eat more. They just, sadly, no. they just don't They're craving care. the sugar because they have but no can, self-control. Can, that is Here's what the government problem. can like, do is moderate we, that kind of thing. Especia, either we, we Which we, they we, have a duty of care to their people. Either yeah, we find the, the, the locus of control internally or we find it externally. I find, and I don't disagree with you about all of these things, but the people who are running these fast food joints, why should they give a shit about your health? They're trying to sell burgers. Yeah. So 
They're Interestingly only enough, even McDonald's, which um, is a obviously a gigantic multinational mm. with an interest in um, <laughs> making you eat more, hence giving you more sugar, did in fact cut down the sugar in their dre- salad dressings and in their... Please, who buys a McDonald's salad? Well... Who but whatever, my They'd point probably is sell five they, of those a year. They did, in fact, <laughs> make an effort to cut it down. Don't they get like sued? But don't we? No. Here's here's the thing at the at the center of all of this is like, do we let people take responsibility for themselves, whether it's in media consumption, food consumption, whatever kind of consumption, or do we let government set those terms for us? Because we've realized uh, everyone on earth must have realized post COVID. To trust the government to come up with the solutions is yeah, the very not, worst thing you can do. I think it's a bit of but both. I mean, it's not even post-COVID. We're sitting in, we're in six hours of load shedding. We're whatever. Yeah. So we, we know paid, that we can't trust these yeah. people to make the decision. So the best possible solution is to let people decide for themselves. Save yourself. No one's going to save you. But I do have some kind of concern that the idea that government... I mean, we have governments and we, the people, should be moderating what they do. So there is a level and a degree where you have to be engaged in civil society. So the more we isolate ourselves and say, well, you know, the government is on its own trajectory. I give up. I'll look after my own little backyard. You still need to be conscious of the fact that, like, the government may be enabling shit. Of course that they are. is unhealthy they, they, for you. They definitely are. So civil society, which is engaged in some kind of conscious dialogue with government, I think is the ultimate way forward. Otherwise, we may as well give up and say, well, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, so we have you- Putin. And then here is the example, because this is where the logical result of some of this thinking is if you say, well, I can only look after myself in any context and, you know, great. We like enable a chap like Putin because autocracy has become a much bigger thing. And autocracy is like a kind of natural thing that happens in societies where people lose faith. You could say autocracy autocracy is the default setting. In fact, the number of of democracies in, in history is, hugely, hugely outweighed by the number of autocracies. So what happens is that you then at the mercy and at the will of one oak who suddenly gets it in his mind that he wants to like sort of reestablish the greater La- Russia and this is his mm. great and look what we've got. hope yeah. Yeah. and glory and he's martial like I mean, you know, having <laughs> meetings with Kim Kim Jong-un whatever, Jong-un, Kim Jong-il yeah. whichever one it is. It's one know. of them. Yeah, they're the just like the Jongs. In the, did you see the interior of his train? How lovely he's was got that? A, he's got a green armored train. And inside, all the seats are pink. I just love the stuff. It's but, but, bubble gum pink. It's so really cute. You would, you would like, appreciate this. So I, I got a book once as a gift from somebody. It's called uh, Dictator Chic. Or yes, yes. I've seen that book. Seen I love it? it. It's like it shows you inside the houses of all these, like Mobutu Sese Seko, yeah. Hitler. Mussolini, uh, who was the guy? Dictator Sheik is one of my favorite elements. Yes, elements of my what the fuck column. (laughs) Because I'm like, you can't make this 
stuff up. Yeah. They just hand it to you on a Dictators little plate. Dictators have the worst taste <laughs> for some reason. Uh, because they they can like indulge like yeah. all their sensibilities. So Putin uh, has an aqua discoteca. Do you know about that? What's that? I mean, uh, come get discoteca. It is a subterranean discoteca. It's that like sort of in the thing water. in Sochi. No, you know how in Sochi has like this palace, he has a which huge is palace, yeah. the size of I don't know a small town. So this palace has. The most marvelous thing called the Aqua Discoteca. It is a subterranean a discotheque. Above him float the mermaids, mm. and he gets to dance. It's I got to tell you, oh. this Putin lifestyle is starting uh, to appeal I to me. I like the Putin lifestyle. <laughs> um, it's the mermaids that question. I need to ask you too about something <laughs> that is going on though, and and you're pretty good at like identifying trends and figuring out what people are interested in. I mean, you have to. It's part of your job almost. Um, vaping. Can we just talk about this for a second? Oh. Because it seems like it's just going on and people are okay. Now, again, I'm not one of these people who interferes. I'm only going to tell someone not to vape. Sure. But the kids are doing it. Yeah. And they're doing it at ever younger ages. Yeah. And the stuff is socially way more acceptable than cigarettes because it doesn't smell like a cigarette. Yeah. It doesn't make your clothes smell like cigarettes. Most people don't it's mind if someone's vaping. It's just a nicotine addiction. It's wild, though. Have you seen how I think there are more people vaping now than ever were smoking. I mean, no, 100%. And, and it, also, it's the way you vape because yeah. you can vape at all times. Everywhere you right. go, anywhere you go, indoor, outdoor. I saw, some, I saw some grown man the other day in a lift. Okay, there's an adult man <laughs> with his, in a lift. Yeah. It's, and it's, then he sort of blows the smoke to sort of the side of his mouth so that it doesn't make that much smoke. But as soon as he gets out, then they're clouds of this stuff and vaping's also the another thing where they haven't really figured out what the actual consequences are there's <coughs> right. no facts there's no we've done can't tests. be good putting all those chemicals because it it's, it's a chemical thing that's happening it they have discovered they've done some i mean i know i said something about the research papers before but there is yeah. some research that shows that it's really it's bad for your lungs yeah you that's not going to stop corn anybody lung. yes have you, you know I what popcorn lung like, is? Doesn't sound tasty. You know that sound when, if you've ever been around someone who's got like emphysema and when they breathe and it goes bubble, 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 bubble oh in, their, in their lungs. It's a horrible thing. So I just, I feel, well, there is a trend where a government intervention would actually be quite useful because in this, I think smoking is an example of a government intervention globally in point of fact where, you know, to some extent, they managed to curtail the proliferation of just aggressive marketing around smoking, which took mm -hmm. and they made it more difficult for sure. people to actually because <clears throat> there is something where you have to say, okay, you have to kind of, this is why you've chosen a government so that they can look into your health outcome and say it's not good for our population to all be dying of lung cancer at the age of 45. Yeah, you, you certainly want them taking mercury out of the uh, food chain and that you kind of You want them thing. monitoring the water <laughs> into the whatever. I'm with yes. You. So I think that everything's vaping a, everything's is an a trade off. Everything's a trade off. Vaping is just the cigarette companies finding a new route to yeah. market. Yeah, and it's what do like you a think? Little hubbly. Yeah, and, and what do you think of the of <laughs> the portable hubbly that you take everywhere? <laughs> People making those too. What do you think and of so making vaping? Maybe they just have to vape outside the office 
in the pavement yeah. will just already diminish. And it's like by small percentages because popcorn lung will come to bite you yeah. at it some sounds, point. It sounds so horrible, popcorn. It really lung. does. So what do you guys think it's like about… the black lung. It's terrible. What do you think of… Um, the? Do you think the legalization of weed has been a net good or net bad? We're only a couple of years in. People can smoke weed. They can buy small amounts. Do you think, think it's been a good thing? There is a lot of research that says anybody under 25 smoking weed is very bad because your brain has not actually solidified. So I think mm. there's another case of like weed. There's a very strong lobby yeah. that got its way. But I think anyone, there's two things with weed that I always just say. Firstly, it's like the land of the lotus eaters. You take, you smoke weed. And if you have a particular approach to life uh, or whatever, your personality is slightly like sort of lax, you will end up like I had this friend who was a wee, big, like smoked weed like a cigarette. And you'd arrive at his house and he'd say, look at all the progress I've made. Hey? <laughs> like uh, he was self-renovating the house. And it was like, be, this is a year later. And you have happened. managed to like paint a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of progress. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because it's like weed. There was nothing else. It was just like a year went by and he had managed to paint a whole grown-ass wall. And then if you're under 25, your brain hasn't settled. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, and there's a lot of like sort of relationship between smoking lots of weed as a young person and psychosis, psychotic breaks. Like the, yeah. all the institutions are like littered mm. with youthful weed smokers who like lost the plot. And this so explosion, this explosion of, of depression and anxiety has a lot to do with not just weed, but I would say a sense of kind of hopelessness and purposelessness mm. among young people in the world today. Mm. They're like, I don't know how I'm going to make a difference. So it makes me anxious. Yeah. So I'm going to smoke some weed. I'll smoke some weed, which will make me… And then I'm going to tamp my brain down. Right. And then I don't know, you know, don't, not everyone knows the psycho psychiatric history of their families. So if you have, <laughs> you know, you just don't. Like there was, but in every family there was like batty aunt Georgia who had, you know, taken up with the cats <laughs> or whatever. I'm just like, don't just go into it. <laughs> just because it works for your friend doesn't mean it's going to work for you yeah don't go into uh, it with complete like ignorance because but but yeah i do i do think it's so but what, it's also just a gigantic market so what sorts of things are you picking up on that people are doing good or bad good habits bad habits <laughs> you know we talked about yoga earlier it talked about boxing that's a thing and i mean they, they're never you wouldn't have found a woman in boxing 20 years ago you'd have to have searched high and low right yeah, now it's a boxing thing Boxing is a thing yeah. it's a thing now so i i a lot of people seem to be doing these cold plunges that's all that anyone's cape talking town. about have you been to cape town lately <sighs> i think it's there's a it's quite funny so i went off to the <laughs> cape town is special to, to saunders rock and all those pools where people are having their cold, cold water plunge, plunge. But they sit, so it's like actually hysterical. They sit in the plunge for minutes. I'm like, why don't you, it's fucking cold. Just why don't you swim? Sorry to swear. No, have go ahead, little, you're allowed here. Have a little, whilst you're taking your cold water plunge, I'm not entirely opposed to this, but they sit like beached whales. 
in the water. Like, like this. 50 seconds. Like with the with their little heads above water going. <laughs> great, eh? Great. I love this. That's great, eh? And then across on the wall, on the wall, they have this wall. So then they they all come out. It's called the wailing wall because the sun hits it. So they come out and stand on the wailing wall and thaw. <laughs> And this friend of mine said, I'm going to pick you up because all the hotties are at this pool. So she picked me up from the hot yoga <laughs> directly so to the cold plunge. you went straight to cold plunge after hot yoga. That must yeah. have been quite good. I was, I was in it. I was uh -huh. very Swedish about this. Very yes. Norwegian, very <laughs> Finnish. That's what they do. I was very hot. And then they go straight from the sauna into the ice. Exactly. <laughs> so off I go into the Atlantic seaboard ice. <laughs> and there's two people one who has clearly blown his brains on too much dope <laughs> sounds like cape town and the second one is like a chap with like some injuries on his face and he's like scratching what like, gosh i said you've you've clearly injured yourself yeah he said it's self-inflicted so i was like what you fell off your mountain bike on the you know running on the pipe path you know mm -hmm. this is what they're doing cape town no he said self-inflicted i was like and you're getting into this like little pool next to us to sit for 10 minutes with your like, with your injuries I said, this is what, not what, what all you, you promised what's self-inflicted i said to my friend this is not all you promised about the hot men in okay, cape town but, but what, <laughs> did, the guy, did the guy like hit himself like, yeah, i think he was a, a skin picker Oh, sis. With a lot of anxiety. Uh, that's so disgusting. That was my experience of the a cold skin plunging. Picker. Yes, so it was quite divine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it'll wow, guys. Wow. And you saw no hotties. I saw no hotties, but I saw a lot of people just sitting, looking completely baleful in this water at each other. I was like, mm. just swim, swim a little. <laughs> down what thing. are we all doing? It will make you feel better. <laughs> she, she, um, she's right though. Like your friend is right. Like Cape Tonians do these weird rituals now yeah. and, they, and they've taken on new ones. And I mean, not there just lots Cape, of there. that's not just Cape Tonians. They've moved down. Right. Now, in tribes. Cape Town's like living in its own little bubbles, like well, a little island. There. But, but a it, lot of Joburgers have be, moved there. We've, yeah. we've opened their horizons a little bit. I mean, Cape Tonians never met Joburg people and only in December, really. Yeah. Once before. They, uh, now they're living there. I feel like. It's very, very, very friendly down at that rock. Let me tell you. All the people are chatting. I was like, these That's not, not very Capetonian. No, <laughs> speaking to each other, it's a little community. I was like, these people are all from Joburg. Yeah. And they have taken up cold water swimming. So I think almost, you know how people are recording. <laughs> and so skin picking. You know how people are recording <laughs> the like the, 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 the Khoisan languages because they're different languages. They, they're recording them to try and keep a record of them because Preserve. they're dying out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think Cape Town, the way we used to talk about it for the last, 20 or 30 years as an idea is not going to last very long because there's so many people from Joburg mm. going in there. They're changing the culture yeah. of Cape Town and those very um, insular. insular Cape Townians are mm. going to Culty change. Pockets. They're going to have to adapt because, yeah. you know, Cape Town has to adapt to Joburg, not the other way around. Yeah. Joburg people aren't going to go there and become Cape Town. Not a chance. So I'm sorry, Cape Town, but you're going to lose your, your culture and your clickiness. You're going to have to. I think it's a good thing. It's good. A very good, thing. good. That's the only thing Cape Town needs. It's, it's that like sense <laughs> An of infusion of, uh, of like Joburgers. Yeah, like just like a bit of a more social it might, environment. It might spoil it. That's not clicky. It might spoil it. Uh. I think it spoilt it already for people because have you seen the traffic in Cape Town? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So what's the solution? Do they want to all and run And have off? you seen the prices, the property prices? Because everyone in Joburg goes, all I'm looking for is just a little apartment in Seapoint with sea You're view like, well, you'll have to have five houses that you can sell bedrooms. here. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And so that's what anyone is looking for. So the whole place is, you know. Just there's a lot of pressure on Cape Town right now. Well, no wonder they're cold water swimming and I, picking their skin. Adapt or die. And I'll tell you Cape what, there's going to be a bit of a, a a reactive thing that happens there too, where a lot of Cape Townians will start getting a bit more than slightly pissed off with the Joburg people. Because, they again, they only had to deal with us for mostly, you know, one month of the year. And now we're going, we're changing their culture. We're forcing them to acclimatize to us, that sort of thing. Taking up space Actually in their neighborhood. hosting bribes. Hosting, because doing Cape, things. Cape Tonians do are like notoriously bad. Like, you know, you, they'll say, we must do something. And then you never see them. Again. Then you never see them again. But Joburgers <laughs> will actually host the bra. I yeah. don't know how they're going to actually cope with such. Um, so, I, I mean, the good news, obviously, is with the cold plunging, you don't even really have to have a cold plunge bath or anything because you won't have electricity to warm your water anyway. So we all have to take a cold <laughs> it's a win -win. plunge. Yeah, cold shower at very least. And you can do the Wim Hof breathing beforehand. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Now, what's happened, to, the... what's happened to Durban? Durban used to have a vibe... Sewage. Confidence. I think it was sewage. It's become a real shithole, to use Donald Trump's term. It's the sewage. Like, I wouldn't. But I don't know for sure, hey? Somebody was telling me that the, um, that mall. Um, the new one in Umschlanger? Umschlanger? Umschlanger. The very one. Yeah. Has um, a higher turnover than or a similar turnover to Stanton City. Which means that um, maybe Durban Central, like the inter, you know, but Umschlanga um has in fact Umschlanga. Um thank you. Has in fact. Um, <laughs> no, we know how to say it. We're just saying it like yeah, people. Yes, it's brilliant. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> um, has, has in fact, that's where the rest of the Joba crew has moved. Someone in the comments said, what happened to Kerbacha? But who cares? We do any, let's not even sure. go there. Um, so while we're talking about that, uh, I, I do think that Santon City is still a, um, it's an artifact in some ways. And I saw they're turning 50. Yeah. They've got yeah. a big sign Can up. believe it? Yeah. It says they're turning 50. But I, I wondered about this because you also, you pay attention to these things. And I've read a couple of your columns where you talk about those luxury stores in that diamond walk. Mm. Right? It's a fascinating cultural experiment that's going on here. People line up. They only let a few people in at yeah, a time yeah. to these stores. It's like a club. But people are, the older. Uh, right. That was why you did it, to create a sense of exclusivity. Uh, yeah, you need to be in there. But so they'll only let, what, four shoppers in at a time. And then people who just, there can't be that many rich people. Maybe it's not rich people. It's poor people who are going to spend a whole lot of their money on something that will make them feel a whole lot better. What what do you think is going on there? It's I not mean, just the are you asking thing. me about like consumerist culture? Yeah, <laughs> especially when it comes to like Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Yeah. A little bit of uh, un, uh, I mean, what do they do? Unboxing on yeah, because the, yeah, because the when Instagram. we when that um, who's that Floyd Mayweather came here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and then there was all oh, this noise about how so how he spent. I don't know, 75,000 rand on a pair of shoes. It turned out to be nonsense. It was made up. Yeah. Um, but people seem to be 
just in, in a very irrational way, obsessed with what other people are doing with their money when it comes to luxury goods, Yeah, especially in this country. So what do you think that is? Well, I mean, are you asking me about um, do you capitalism? Want to, do you want to think about it while I tell Gareth what I think? Yeah. People, uh, some people in this country have their priorities in the wrong place. People that can't afford to purchase Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all of that stuff are going to Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all that stuff to buy these things, uh, right? And that's a big part of almost like a, I have to look a certain way so that I can get more respect. It's the same concept as when you go to the clubs. You go to the clubs and it's the same people raking up bills of 126,000 rand in one night. Popping the bottles. Popping mm. the bottles. You have no business <laughs> spending that much money on alcohol in one night. But you want to look flashy. You want to look cool. You want to look like right. the guy. That's a big part this is your of... your way of getting social cachet. That's it. That is literally it. And that's what's happening at these Gucci stores. Half these people, they can't afford it. But there they are buying this stuff. And how they're getting the money to buy it. And not all of them. But how they're getting the money mm. to buy that stuff is also like, it's a bit sus. It's questionable. Of course. Um, look, I've been in store entertainment in um, many of these places. Right. Where, you know. <laughs> and have seen like sort of their top customers. Yeah. And a, there's a circulation of the same customers going around from place to place. And obviously the stores um, cultivate them. Mm. Yeah. And it, it is a combination of people. So I think there's like definitely the very, um, there are, there is a lot of wealth. Yeah. Look, in, in sure um, from various sources, legitimate, illegitimate, whatever. Um, of course. There's lots of people coming in with like straight up cash. Yeah. Especially during COVID. I mean, in COVID, it was fascinating. That's when those queues started forming um, because they weren't letting people in at the same time. And there was a lot of different <laughs> cash that was coming in from the PPE yeah. stuff. So yeah. that was like very interesting. There yeah. were people who, because they suddenly got this cash and they needed to wash it, wash it, or with the just do what it was that they always dreamed of getting. So it's a twofold thing. One is, if you think about the money that is spent marketing mm. these brands and generating these ideas around what is luxury and why you would want it, and the brands themselves are very careful about like generating two kinds of things. One, they want the like really exclusive stuff that you have to be in the know. And then they have like these last leaders, things which people want to enter and demonstrate um, some kind of all these things some kind that of you've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an arrival. It's an That's aspirational all. culture. Yeah. Like and we it, live and in and a again, very aspirational but I, but culture. But I suppose like if there's if there's a theme that's going through And that this. is Instagram, that is yes, social media. The pressure as well. That is stuff that says, which is much more heightened yeah. than it even was. But, but if, there's I, a, if there's a theme that goes through all of this, it's kind of like, do we let people make terrible decisions, whether it's vaping, spending every cent of their paycheck on a pair of shoes, uh, going to you know, extraordinary lengths to impress other people, uh. eating hamburgers instead of eating <laughs> salads. Like, do or we, do we find Putin to come tell them what to do? Right. So like, <laughs> are those the only two options? Because if we say there's a balance in between, you're going to end up with, again, I'll never forget there was this guy 
who I interviewed years ago called Yusuf Saluji. He was with the South African Anti-Smoking Coalition or something. And this guy was such a smoke Nazi. He was such an authoritarian that when, after I'd interviewed him, I thought, you know, I almost want to start smoking just because (laughs) I'd rather do that than end up like him. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, when when you meet certain people, like there was a period where I, I was exposed to like a very, very like authoritarian environmentalist. And I just wanted to start a landfill in my back garden. <laughs> like, I am yes. planting nappies. Yes. Yes. I'm going to show you. <laughs> you're, a re- you're rebellious. That's basically what you I'm going to plant all the nappies. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I love seeing you. I love talking to you. And it's so good to have you in the studio again. Um, so keep writing. Fun. Keep writing your good stuff. We love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you again soon, I suppose. I think we should have a, a nice hot idea. brunch. That's a good idea. Yeah, where I will write my garden? column. Yes. Nice. I will come and do my interview of you over Ooh. brunch and okay. we'll put it in the in the Sunday Times. That old um that old rag. Rag of mine. <laughs> I, I, Don't you think that will be fun? I did use then it a I few I did use it a few. You. I used it a few times this winter for making fires. And you know, we have our users. <laughs> And and we are also very very um, mindful oh. of the fact that today's news is tomorrow's kitty litter. Damn or right. Even yeah. that keeps you humble, right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely to see you. Thank, Thank you, Aspasia. Lebang will be back uh, yeah, next week with you, but sure. also uh, back tomorrow morning early for, among other things, the burning platform with Pumiwa Shicho, and it's going to be as always. Hot, hot, hot. Hot. Good guest coming on to join us tomorrow. Someone who I think everybody's going to want to hear from. He is a mayor who's got his hands full at the moment with strikes and all kinds of things. And um, definitely someone we haven't had on the show before. So not Cape Town. No cold plunge <laughs> Yeah, that was my first thought. Like, who strikes no. Cape Town. So that'll be interesting. Tomorrow, all of that and more on the way. Have an awesome day, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.